Immigration's always been an issue that inflames passions. We're going to hopefully get a lot of people coming in, and they're all going to come in legally. Hello, and welcome to All Roads Lead Here, a project documenting immigration stories, immigration activism, resources, and immigration law. I'm your host, Daniel Roque, and I'm here joined by my guest, Laura Villamizar. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited about today's episode. I feel like it's going to be a great one. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> so the first question I have for you is, how old are you and where are you from? Um, I feel like not that many people ask how old I am. So, but anyway, I'm 32 and um, I'm from Bogota, Colombia. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. I just had somebody on last week who was from Cali, Colombia. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We're dope. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> she just told me Cali. <laughs> we're like next level. Yeah. So I'm really, really proud. I don't know, of like our people. Is that, um, uh, is that something you think a lot of Colombians share? Or is it just you specifically? I think, you know, growing up in Colombia in the 90s and in the 80s was really tough. Mm. Because it was one of like, the, you know, the bloodiest moments in our history and it is so sort of like as an immigrant is sort of like how people would like label you or like label your country right like you would you would move to the to the u.s or europe and then say that you're a colombian and people would just like freak out and feel bad for you already right yeah there i can see that sense of like are you okay <laughs> or this sense of um of like oh my god what a terrible you know, country you're from, right? So you always had to, had to like prove yourself outside of Colombia because there was this idea that, I mean, it was a tough moment in, in our history, but at the same time, like people had this like really twisted idea of what Colombia was. So everyone who grew up as a Colombian in the 80s and the 90s and then moved out, like in my case, we always had to prove ourselves and prove Colombia as a good country mm. um, because we were sort of like tagged as bad people and at a bad country. So I feel that that allowed for a lot of Colombians to just build this sense of pride around their identity abroad. That makes a lot of sense. I, I totally see that because, you know, when people bash your country, you know, your country might have problems. But still, it's your country at the end of the day. And you don't want anybody bashing it. So I could definitely see uh, where that sense of like pride comes from. I, yes. And, you know, countries are complicated. Yeah. And, and, you know, the external view of every, especially like, like, you know, Europeans and Americans, they always have this like paternalistic white savior kind of view of our regions and our identity and our presence in their in their territory quote unquote is is a political act that sort of like cha challenges their vision of who we are you know and what we represent so you know we're here to sort of like challenge all those like perceptions of like what an immigrant is or what a colombian is besides like the movies and drugs and you know 
drama. Yeah. I mean, the challenge is uh, sometimes it can be hard, I imagine. Oh, it's really hard. Like it's a, it's a, you get put in uncomfortable positions every single day, right? First of all, just looking at like the administration in America, how they, how they handle immigration and how you feel, you feel unwanted, right? Constantly. And uh, you feel questioned and, um, you know, your professionalism gets questioned and, um, your good intentions are questioned and, you know, yeah, you're constantly proving yourself and proving yourself to yourself and proving yourself to like your family. Yeah. It's a lot. So I want to move on to ask you, what was you talk about the violence and growing up, but what specifically was growing up like for you in Colombia during that time? I mean, yeah, besides the, you know, the the era in the 90s Colombia in the 90s I had a had a beautiful childhood I I um I spent the first like 14 years of my life in in Colombia in Bogota and I I tried to travel as much as I could um you know it was tough sometimes because of the situation but we definitely could every now and then and yeah I I really, really enjoyed my time, my time there. And it really marked me as a person. Like I call myself a Colombian is because I feel that those 14 years of my life there were crucial for my development and my sense of identity. Do you have any memories in particular that you can't seem to like ever forget that maybe contributed to your development while you were there? Yeah, I think um, something that is huge for a lot of Colombians and for me and a lot of people from Bogota, especially we don't have an ocean in Bogota. Mm. So you always grow up asking your friends if, if they have ever met the ocean, oh, at, wow. like, at, like as if you were going on a date and meeting the person. That's beautiful. Like, yeah. So it's like, ya conociste el mar, right? That's how like kids will ask one another. Uh, ya conociste el mar? It's like snow, same thing. But like the ocean is, it was easier because it was you, like you didn't have to go abroad to see snow. Snow was like snow was for rich people. Mm. Um, the ocean was slightly less, you know, more accessible. So I remember the first time that I met the ocean. <laughs> what was that like? It was. It was. Um, yeah, it was, it was overwhelming, but in a beautiful sense, you know, I, yeah, those are like moments that really get stuck with you. Um, just, just being able to see something that was so vast and so big, bigger than myself and also feeling, just this sense of like absolute beauty, you know, seeing the Caribbean for the first time, like that is my knowledge of the sea is the Caribbean. And it's just so spectacular um, in terms of culture, in terms of nature. It was just uh, life changing, you know? I love how you said that because it sounds so poetic. You know, you're talking about the ocean like it's an old friend. Yeah. I I I I felt that I that it was 
it was a friend that I had not had I had never met, but we will we were friends before we even knew about each other personally. Do you ever miss your friend? Yeah, the Caribbean. There's nothing like the Caribbean. Yeah. I would yes. I mean, and what I love about the Caribbean as a region is that we have so much in common. You know, that ocean is is just so special that unifies a lot of different people from around around the Caribbean and and I love that. I definitely agree with you because I'm uh there's something different about yeah, there's something different about the Caribbean in terms of like its ocean. It just feels like I don't know how to put this but it kind of gives you energy, you know? Yeah. I try to go to oceans around here. I'm based in New York, but I I try to go to oceans around here and it's just not the same. It's like, I don't, again, like, that's why I love your analogy. The ocean here is not my friend. For some reason, I just go inside and I don't feel welcome. But every time I go back to Dominican Republic or Cuba and I go into the ocean, it's just something else. It's like I'm being greeted again. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, when I moved away from Colombia, then I, I moved to Europe. I moved to like Northern Europe and like the ocean there was the, the least friendly thing I could have ever experienced in terms of, you know, yeah, just, it felt like a, like, yeah, like a far away relative, relative that didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, exactly. Like my first time in Cuba, my, my, when I went to the Dominican Republic, like going to uh, even like growing up, going to Venezuela, going to, um, Uh, even Mexico, you know, like, yeah, there is just something about it and the culture around it, you know, Trinidad. Um, yeah, there's just so much about it. So I definitely feel that. I mean, it's good that you said it, too. So you talk about all these things in Colombia and it seems like you had a really good experience. But what made you want to immigrate? Um, my mom was a single mother and... Just it was just really hard <laughs> at that time in Colombia. So uh, we had relatives in Florida, and we decided my mom decided to just uh, move move to Florida and start a life there for for her and for myself. So we sold everything and moved. And then again, then my mom married, and we moved to Europe because of my mom. And I, yeah, I feel that we were looking for a better life. It was just really difficult. It's just really difficult to make a living and, you know, especially at that time. Yeah, it is. And I imagine it's very difficult to like leave everything you've ever known up until that point too. Yes. It was really hard because I wasn't allowed, like my, my first time coming into the States, I knew that I was going to stay, but my, I just had a tourist visa. So I could only show that I was going to go to Disneyland. Mm. I couldn't take anything that would like, if they would open my back they could tell that I was going to stay for more than three weeks. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. my bag only had like summer clothes, all of my toys, all of my books, like, you know, precious things I had to leave behind. And what was, a, what was that process like of getting the visa, of coming here, going on the plane? Do you have any memories of that in particular that maybe stuck with you? I remember getting my passport. And then I remember, you know, just like the whole process of getting a visa, like even a tourist visa was really hard. I remember being separated from my mom when I was like 13 and that being traumatizing. 
So oh, I can wow. only I can only imagine what younger children go through when they're like separated from their parents and then the parents either like have to go back to their countries or whatever but like that really 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 marked my life just my mom leaving me for a while while she started a life in America that was that was real really awful so actually flying to America for the first time it was really exciting because I, I got to see my mom again and how old were you when you uh First I came. was uh, 12. Oh, when you moved, you were 12? Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. So you were just very young. You were like, you were basically like a child, a baby still. Yeah. Wow. And like, was that like, was that scary? Was that like, how did you feel in that moment? I mean, it was really scary. Again, because I had to sort of like do as if I was staying for like two weeks, but I was obviously staying for longer. Yeah. So just that whole process by myself was a lot. But but I was going to see my mom again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that was just worth everything. And that's beautiful and and wow. Yeah. And did you when you first came here like what was it like when you were finally adjusted to living in the US? Did you go to high school here? Did you I imagine yes, you did. So um I was in Miami. Everything was just like the movies. <laughs> and uh i was just happy to be with my mom and like the weather was just so good if i mean we were in miami the, it was the, a little bit like the caribbean yeah there was more spanish than any other language so i don't know it was fun and then i went to school and that was the whole thing um and then two years later my mom married and then we moved to europe <laughs> so i had to start again from scratch in europe oh so you Came to the U.S., went to Europe, and then came back to the U.S. So what was it like moving to Europe? Really intense. <laughs> um, I moved to, like, Northern Europe. I had never experienced winter in my life. Um, the food was very different. The, the yeah. language was very different. Everything was just sort of like I was just in shock for, like, a year or two. And I like how you said the weather because the one thing every – immigrant from latin america says about moving here is the weather's totally different now the ones who maybe moved to florida don't say anything like that because again florida yeah, florida and like, is different it's like yeah. kind of yeah it's kind of the same as latin america but everyone who moves up here says the weather like catch them completely off guard but you had the unique experience of f- like feeling the weather in europe which is even farther away from like home than most people i mean weather in like north the northern hemisphere is so different than what we're used to like i wasn't even used to seasons right and i had yeah. to learn i think we all sort of like have to learn to cope with like like proper seasons and proper winter and fall and learning how to how to navigate like that yearly cycle that we don't have right because mm. we're from the equator um just learning how to dress differently throughout the seasons, learning how to eat different foods throughout the seasons. Um, there's just so many things that come with, with the changing of the seasons that you're just not aware of. Um, and also, like, I underestimated, like, the power of the sun. You know, yeah. if you don't have sun for half a year, then you're definitely going to take advantage of it during the summer. Like, my first summer, I was just like, whatever, the sun it's always there. But just un- like until you go through your first winter and that's when you're like, okay, hold on a minute. This is 
this is really bad. <laughs> yeah, when you realize like the sun, the sun's like life. And I feel, I don't want to make generalizations, but I feel that's why uh, Latin American culture and people from Latin America tend to be much like, more vibrant, more happy because yeah. just constant sun. I always get depressed whenever winter rolls around. Yeah. It's like I'm losing like a piece of me whenever. I, I hate, like right now I'm dreading the fact that it's getting colder, even slightly, it'll be like 80 degrees. And if it's 78, I'm like depressed for the day because I know it's coming, you know, like it's like Game of Thrones or something. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it it is a lot. I've, I've, you know, I started to sort of like enjoy the seasons as, you know, like how they, they like you. Yeah, there's everything about every season, but it, it's been a process of like under you know yeah it's it's a lot and where in northern europe uh did you live for and for I how many years i was in amsterdam years? for a long time and i was in berlin for a long time and did you go to school there or was it university school and university oh so that was totally different than how most people have experiences here in the us yeah and like very very different so what made you want to come back to the us i got a job Okay. The only. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to experience America again in terms because of like the where I work now, as a you know working in photography and and photojournalism. There's just a lot uh, back back then, also, especially just a lot going on in terms of conversations about representation, uh, in like you know in photography in documentary representation in terms of like who gets to tell those stories and the mm. importance of having black and brown voices behind the camera, you know, having Latino, uh, like uh, journalists, Latino storytellers. There's, there's a lot more of that discussion here than in Europe. So I felt that I wanted to be part of the conversation here. And then this, I got this job and they brought me back. How important do you feel immigration storytellers in any capacity are? for like maybe society as a whole? I think that like in, I don't know, like in, in 20, 30 years, like the, the Latina community will be like one of the biggest like communities in the U.S. Yeah. Like we're huge, you know, and Obama uh, got elected twice because of the Latino vote. Yeah. And I mean, not even la- like Latino migrants, but like this is a country of migrants. Mm-hmm. So having having those people tell all these stories is crucial to for us to understand how this country operates, how it works. And as an immigrant, how do you maybe balance living in a country that seemingly needs you, but also doesn't want you or seems it, some people make it seem like they don't want you? That's a really good question. And it's really hard. It's really, really, it's a really hard, like I struggle, I would say on a daily basis, just being like, why, like asking myself, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I don't want to get too like personal or too like, you know, but I moved and since I've moved, like for instance, my mom's visa get, gets denied to come visit. As a, wow. as a tourist, to come visit for two weeks, it gets denied, right? So I'm an only child, and I'm working my ass off, right? 
because I you don't get that many holidays in this country. Yeah. And then my mom cannot come and visit me. So I'm like, so, you know, I'm just asking myself a lot of questions as to like, okay, this country is is shit for us. And to which extent am I going to go through that? You know, what is it going to take for me to be with peace with this country? Or like, am I going to have to, am I going to fight for the green card so that I can get to vote? So that I can have my mom come maybe, you know, or maybe, maybe not. I feel that as migrants, we, we never allow ourselves to maybe say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go back. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, we never. It, going back is, is, is like failing. Going back is like failing to ourselves, failing to our country, failing to our family. And I'm at a point where I don't see that anymore as a failure, but as like self-preservation. Wow. That's incredibly beautiful. I mean, you're totally right in the sense that all the immigrants I know, no matter how, I mean, maybe it's a generational thing, but all the older immigrants I know see going back as, as failure, like you said, because, yeah. you know, you go back and everyone you knew back there is going to see you and they'll yeah. see you maybe maybe not but maybe they'll see you as a failure and that's something that they don't want to go through but it's crazy you're not crazy it's insightful that you see it as self-preservation because it is in reality is self-preservation in a country that you know is so hostile towards you even the fact that you couldn't your mom couldn't come visit you like something yeah. as basic as family is hot ho- they're hostile to you in that way um it is self-preservation because how can you how can you live without people who are close with you? How can you live without the basic respect and dignity that you deserve? And absolutely. And I mean, so many of us don't get to don't get to go back. Yeah. And so many of us are very scared of even thinking about going back. And you know, I see this also as a privilege, the fact that I can ask myself that question and say, like, hey, maybe I just want to go back and maybe I'm just gonna do it soon um just for myself yeah just you know like it's it's totally fine yeah it's totally fine to to consider going back to your roots and going back to your country so you would go back to colombia maybe i mean it also depends on my mom but like yeah i'm 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 definitely especially with like the pandemic just like i'm just thinking okay what is if if i cannot be with my mom then then we need to point? be in a place where, yeah. like, we can both take care of each other. That makes sense. Uh, in a country or in a place where maybe you're so disconnected from your roots, what do you do to sort of keep your roots alive? Like, do you practice your culture visibly, secretly? Like, what do you do to keep it alive? Uh, I think that music is, like, my, my medicine, Mm. both in terms of making music and in terms of listening to music. Um, one of the things that I miss the most about like the situation right now is like live music. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, Colombian music, Latin American music, African music, the music that is sort of like in our DNA, mm-hmm. that, is, that is the one thing that will never go away, you know, will stay there. Um, and, you know, every now and then I'll, like, I'll, yeah, there's, like, the coffee that I make and the, 
the coca leaves that I chew on, you know, to just give me energy or like the the rituals, you know, like rezarle a los santos or like something just like very personal or like spiritual that keeps 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 me grounded. I also I've been reading a lot of like uh, Afro Latina literature. Mm. Um, I'm actually reading a book that takes place in the Dominican Republic. Oh, what's it called? It's called Clap When You Land from Elizabeth Acevedo. I'm gonna have to look that up. Oh, she's amazing, incredible. Yeah, and it's in the it's it's half New York, half Dominican Republic. There. Wow, so just like me. Exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. So, what are your goals for the future, and what do you do now, and how is that helping you achieve achieve those goals? That's uh, the million dollar question. I I feel that I want to, I want to be in a place where, I feel that what I've learned with the with the um, with the pandemic is that I don't want to stress too much about this hassle, like this, like work until you break, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, I want to be in a place where I can take care of myself and I can take care of my family, my mom. Um, and I want to be in a place where I can nurture the community of like migrants and people of color uh, throughout Latin America and in the U.S. So I want to do that, but I want to be able to take care of myself better. So if maybe that's in the U.S., maybe that's somewhere else. Um, but I'm actually like I would just say like I am maybe like after this happened after this is over just you know spending some time in Latin America and in like investing a little bit in the in the region of that you know I think that would I mean that's that's very that's very good and I hope you accomplish all your dreams and goals. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you're very humble. I have one final question for you, and I ask this to every single one of my guests. Okay. If you could give one piece of advice to someone about to immigrate or maybe someone who is new to this country, what would it be? Every decision that, that you make should not be from a place of fear. Whatever you choose, just if it's, if it's from a place of fear, then you should choose again. You know? I know that a lot of times we have to do things out of fear, but I feel that, you know, just taking a step back and choosing from a place of love is, is the way to go and not from a place of fear. No, that's beautifully said, but I've been saying everything. I mean, I've said that so many times during this interview <laughs> that everything you say is beautiful. It's yeah, oh. I agree completely. All right. Well, with all that being said, I want to thank you for sharing your story. That's all the time we have. And to our audience, remember, we're all immigrants from somewhere. <laughs>